Hey everyone, welcome to Handing the Shame Back. And this channel is dedicated to survivors of sexual abuse across the whole world. We're everywhere and the numbers are huge. So this is one attempt at providing a safe space for survivors to not only share these stories, but learn from each other. One thing that you may hear could resonate with you and change the whole course of your road to recovery and healing. So welcome, it's always a pleasure to have you with us. Um, as always, there's a trigger warning, and this is so that if you feel triggered or traumatized in any way, please stop watching, go to the show notes below, and you'll be dedicated to some resource and support, dedicated and directed, she said convincingly. This is part two, and this is April Duke, who's come to us all the way from Idaho, and uh, she shared her amazing part one with us and in there she described the summer she was sexually abused uh, she was between about seven and eight years of age and he was a senior in high school so a good 10 years older than her he knew exactly what he was doing and he used this grooming bribing threatening manipulating techniques that they all do very successfully so, April, welcome back. Great to have you here. I am happy to be here. Great. Okay, so in the second part, April, I guess looking at the impact on you and how you managed to start the recovery process, kind of what what the impact was and, and what helped, what worked for you? So the challenge for myself was the amount of time it took, I think. So the, the recovery really started probably in 2018. That wasn't that, that long ago, five years ago. And what had happened is that I finally started to write a book. So you will probably see that I'm using my hands um, American Sign Language, because I have two deaf daughters. Well, this is all part of the recovery. So, like she had mentioned, I was seven years old when all of this happened. And the pleasing, performing, and perfecting was this, I would say, was a poison that I was ingesting continuously. I had a first marriage where I had five children and that was riddled with a cycle of domestic violence and abuse. And that most likely, as we all look back and reflect on things and through therapy and working, um, was a really direct result of my lack of identification of knowing identity of who I was. I didn't really start to believe that I was a child of God until really much later. I said it often. I've always been to church. I've always had a faith, but I blocked part of that belief and trust because I thought I was probably too dirty to accept that. And part of that in that first marriage with my having five children born very quickly within nine years, having five kids, that portion of not knowing really who I was. I was completely, really lost at that point. But I had a little fire started within me, a little bit of my light, which I call a pinpoint. 
And if you've ever been on a very dark night in a dark cave, anywhere where your eyes are stretching, hoping for light, when there is just a hint of the smallest light, you are directionally pulled towards it. And that light has probably always been there, but we might not have always been looking in the right spot. So when I found my pinpoint of light, I guided and went in that direction. And that led me to a divorce, which led me to freedom, which did lead me, lead me with my five kids. This is quite apt that I'm in a car. We lived in a car with my five kids for a few weeks because of being homeless from that situation. Now, the recovery probably started there, but the awareness of it wasn't until much later. I'm married to my second husband. I now have four more kids, so there's nine of us there. Two daughters were born deaf, and so there's a lot of work. So you might have realized something within my first explanation. I like work. I like projects. I like being busy because then I can be happily distracted and I don't really have to focus in what's really going on. So <laughs> in 2018, in a new move, in a new um, position at work, in all of these newness, I hit a level of my own bottom that said, okay, we're doing this now. Let me introduce you. My name is Jesus Christ. And we're going to go on a walk together. I wasn't really ready for that. But that was the best thing for me because I needed to really know that someone had my back. Someone had that support. Someone as was actually with me within those bushes, within those things that were happening. He was there. I didn't know how to look. I didn't know where the pinpoint was. I did not know. I didn't realize all of these amazing things were there at my touch and back and call. Now, I always believed in prayer. And through that prayer, it brought me to that point because I knew it was time to finally dig into this. So this is self-evaluation <laughs> and the vulnerability. I love that sign too. You're just ripping yourself open. Ah, here it all comes. So in 2018, I started writing. And writing just for myself, my own story, because I knew I had elements of like sleeping with the enemy meets Rain Man meets the goodness, like all of these stories, great, ama amazing stories all wound up together. So I thought, oh, I'm going to write my story because it has all those elements. So it's a very survivor mindset, right? I thought I was finished with my with my victim mindset oh I had just opened everything up so in this whole process I realized what victim portions I had and then that led me to f finding my survivor like wow I remember one time I had a conversation with a friend and I was almost boasting and bragging about how well I survived things that are hard and she just looked at me and said are you tired of surviving that really stripped me of any identity that I thought I had left. And that's what put me at the bottom. I, I was so proud to be a survivor in so many ways. And the complexity of my story with my nine children, my first three also have autism. I have two now who are deaf, so I've got to learn how to sign with my kids. And one of my deaf also has autism. 
So there was a lot of work. There was a lot of things happening, happily distracted. I'm a special education teacher. I'm learning a new language. I'm running a household of nine. My husband has a chronic illness. We're, we're good. I can survive all of this. And when she said that, her next statement was, when do you want to live? And she wow. challenged me. <laughs> yes. She challenged me to dream. And I was like, frozen. I mean, talk about stripping it down to nothing. So I picked up what I knew what to do and I knew how to write. So I started there again, that victim to surviving. And it took, it took a few times. And then I became more of that thriver, even within my own writing. And when I published my first book, uh, pinpoints of light, escaping the abyss of abuse, that was just an opening flood. And I knew I needed to write it in a way that in the end, it almost felt like a novel. Like you watch these characters go through this whole experience. And in the end, you knew things were going to be okay. And it still left you with questions of how. I can get lost in the minutia of how myself. And so that kind of pecked at me like, okay, good. And I felt that I, I felt that my friend Jesus was like, hey, this is a good start. Good start. Good job. Now we're going to get into the real work. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, there's more? I I'll become okay. <laughs> He's like, no, no, you're not. <laughs> so went a little deeper and wrote a second book called Out of Darkness to find, fuel, and live in my light. And that was the whole point of that second book was the how. How did I overcome how did I stop pleasing and performing and perfecting? And it takes a long time. And reaching from that victim to survivor to a thriver, super, I mean, amazing steps. And in that thriving, you, you forgive, you learn how to listen and be still. But to become a victor, you really have full forgiveness of yourself i'm so, i think that's really powerful and i'm so glad you said that april because the thing for survivors is they often get told that they need to forgive and i'm here to say no you have to feel what you need to if you are ready to forgive you will if you cannot, that's okay. And I think what's key with what you've just said is it's forgiving self because so much of the abuse has led to self-blame, guilt, feeling responsible for, and it doesn't belong to any of you beautiful survivors watching. So Thank you, April. What a powerful point. Forgiving self is actually far harder, in my opinion, than forgiving anybody else. What, yep. do, you, what do you think of that? <laughs> yes. So in writing that, 
I learned a powerful lesson about forgiving myself. It's not one and done. No. Because <laughs> I'm going to keep making mistakes. So then I'm going to need to forgive myself continuously. That was like mind blowing. And the opportunities <laughs> to forgive yourself on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. You just look around. You're like, ah, okay. It's all good. <laughs> But why can't it be one and done? I hear survivors cry everywhere. Because you have to grow and learn. Sorry. You are in a learning zone. And I talk about that in my book. We have comfort, but it is not a comfort zone. It is a comfort cage and you build it. You build it. You build it with the lies you believe. You build it with the pain that you feel. That's you. And it's comfortable. Oh. It's cozy in there, but you're not progressing. You're just not. And when you get brave enough to open the gate, open the door, open the prison, whatever you want to think of it as your comfort cage, and you step out, you step in, out into a learning zone. And in those learning zone, you scrape your knees, you fall down, you get up again, you, you cry your head off, you keep going. But I will tell you, and this is part of the book, you get to have a recovery road and that's where reflection happens you feel the best support there's time there's peace and it could last months weeks or just 10 minutes because then you're back in the learning zone again we wanting to run back to the comfort cage and if you go back into that cage you'll find yourself stuck in a place where you don't want to be and you'll you'll find yourself not moving forward and the timing on it i know we're so pressed with time well was it like three weeks two minutes five months don't worry about the time on it just know that if you find yourself back there you had the key to open it up again and go back out into the learning zone and it's going to be okay we're all here living proof but it's okay. Do you find, April, that your journey is not necessarily what you had imagined it to be? I can see you just about ready to scream with laughter <laughs> as I say that, uh, because I know for us as survivors and our beautiful ones watching, our journeys are not what we thought in April, you mentioned just before that self-forgiveness is not one and done. Damn! But for, for all of us, the survivor journey can take us down many different roads, and I guess I'm thinking that's okay because we're all unique and our past conditioning and our self-concept and how the world is viewed through our eyes is, is also quite unique. A question to you being, what's your feeling about people finding their own way, their own roads to recovery? Oh, I think it's beautiful. I think that that's the only way. But please know your own way is not alone 
there's many of us that you will find, even if it is your own path, we're still here cheering, supporting, sit down, put our arm around you, give you a sandwich, or as like my son says, a manchi. We'll give you some <laughs> and allow you to just have your own energy to keep going with. So the your own journey is true, but you're not alone in it. No. So never believe that no. you're not. That's, no. that's this whole podcast. That's this whole thing. We're reaching out saying, not alone. We got you. We're with you. We're going to listen. Yep. We're gonna sit. So you've got, so as I'm listening to you, I'm just thinking, are there other things that also that you have found helped your healing? So you had have Jesus Christ in your life. You have your writing in your life. What else do you find helps you? What would you recommend oh, others survive? I, I recommend I recommend serving other people. Get out of yourself. Go out and help somebody. Whatever that looks like. If you whatever your skill is, whatever your gifts are, go out and help somebody. I'm a teacher by by trade, but I get to help. <laughs> These lovely people keep coming back. It's like my best coaching program right there. <laughs> These kids show up every day. I'm like, wow, they're back. So the teaching, I in service, teaching is definitely service. Find something. I, I don't care if you're going to make make some biscuits, make some cookies, go give it to somebody, whatever. Be the listening ear, send the right text, follow the prompting, whatever. But get out of yourself and go serve someone else. And you will see a perspective. You will feel a connection and humanity needs to be connected and we connect through stories. We connect through each other. So go and serve and help somebody else, whatever, small skill, grand skill, everyday skill, whatever. But service is not one and done either. Just had to throw that out there. Yes, of course, of course. So tell us, April, what, I mean, my head's spinning with everything that you do. I'm just trying to think of what you don't do. Hello. Uh, do you, what, what, um, what are you actually doing now? We, we know that you're, you're an author. We know you're a mum of nine beautiful children. Uh, we know you're a teacher. Um, but, you know, there is a part of you we mentioned at the beginning that is a ghostwriter and a podcaster. Would you like to share a little bit of how people can find you through all of that? Sure. So as a ghostwriter, I write, basically, I take on your persona and I write the way that I hear how you sound through our interviews and things like that. And some of the books are other people's painful journeys that they struggle to write themselves. I've written several of those. I've written business books and books about education, different things, a variety. And in that variety, I find such joy in the writing. That's another skill and gift. And so if I can make other people connect to the story that you have, which is so important, I am all in. And uh, from um, Olympic athletes, to businessmen, I've written for so many different people. It's, it's amazing. And so the contact with that is, is on my website, apriltribejuke.com. And we can connect through that. I'm also a podcaster and I have a show called The Beacon of Light. And on Beacon of Light, I interview authors 
that write stories of hope. And so they can be those that are survivors and thrivers. It can be something that I have a friend who knows how to sell things online and she wrote a book about it. Come on the show. It's all about something that's hopeful. It's going to give you light. It's going to give you empowerment for something in the end. So it's kind of broad. We have children's authors. We have fiction, nonfiction, religious to business. So it runs a gamut because I don't know where you are in your stage of hope and what you need. So come and find your beacon of light and see if what their story has to share connects with you. So it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm just wondering, April, and I'm sure the other survivors watching are as well. When do you get time to sleep? Okay. (laughs) So sleep, sleep. I, and probably, I don't know what all the diagnoses are in the world now. It's probably what I am. So I only need about five hours and I'm, I just go. So wake up morning time, about 328 in the morning. That's the writing time. It's nice and quiet. No other kids are awake. Yay. And then go through the day. So about 930, that is sleep time and all is well. So it's a five and a half hour ish day, but, or night or whatever. <laughs> So that's the sleep time and that's okay. Um, that feels right for this part of my, my lifetime. And as it changes, which it will, because, you know, all my kids are growing up, no one's left in diapers. So yay. <laughs> so I get to sleep a solid five and a half hours. And right now that, that fuels us. So we go with that. That's amazing. Well, audience, there's so much to absorb. Um, I hope you're feeling excited by this and empowered as well. It's just so special. April, just as we're coming into a close out, do you have, is there anything else you would like to share with us that you haven't as yet? Um, That would be that there is always light in your life, always. This light never shuts off, never. It's where our eyes are focused is where we might not feel that light. So I didn't mention this, but there's always darkness and there was always light. There's an opposition in everything. That's how everything works. That's a universal truth. So in your life, if you are not seeing the light, maybe you're just not aimed towards it. The light never stops. It's always there. And what we're focused back here on, maybe a lot of negativity, your negative voices, the negative blame. I call it the shame shadow. He's always back there too. So where do you want to look? It takes practice. And that's okay. I look at shamey too. For about 10 minutes, I don't have to endure and look for years and decades now. That's the difference. Okay, so no one's perfect at this. And if you find yourself, you're like, where is that light? Oh, yeah, it's over here. <laughs> Turn there. It will never stop. That's a I can promise you that. That's beautiful. And, uh, you know, the amazing light that you are, please keep sharing with the world. 
So just as we are closing out, stay there, please, April. But to our audience, how lucky are we to have had such a special guest with us today, all the way from Idaho, and just a couple of things that April said that have resonated, well, quite a lot, actually. But she said the perfectionism, pleasing, and performance was really like drinking poison. And I just want to remind you guys of that because that's where our minds can take us at times. So I think that's really powerful. She also talked about finding my survivor as in finding herself. And I love that because I think as adults who have overcome child sexual abuse, we lost a part of us was taken. So I think finding yourself and all of that is so powerful. And finally, but not not least, was also serving others. And a little known fact about serving others is the gift is in the giving, not the receiving. Just remember that because it's quite powerful. As always, beautiful, beautiful ones watching. I see you. I stand beside you. And I believe you.